The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When it comes to Bears training camp storylines, what's real and what isn't? I bring on Bear Report's Zach Pearson, who's been at every day of training camp so far to answer exactly that question on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And folks, I have got a great one for you today, as it is our annual visit with Zach Pearson this week, as we're going to get the chance to hear from somebody whose boots on the ground at training camp exactly who is looking as good as Twitter says they are, and maybe who isn't. I mean, Zach, I think this is so valuable every single year because, I mean, it's that time of year where, what was this, this time last year, we were hearing that Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet were the greatest tight ends to ever live, right? I mean, there's obviously there are narratives that spin out of control in any training camp, no matter what happens, but it's always nice to hear from you because you've been through enough of these that I feel like the, the glitz and glamour of new football doesn't surprise you anymore right and how have you felt as you've gone to more and more and more training camps throughout your career um it's kind of interesting because it's like i feel like i've gone to enough where i know pretty much everything the routine you know what's going to happen obviously not on the field i can't predict the future but you still learn a lot of stuff like you and they're still very valuable to go to obviously i have to go to them at my job um you know i can't complain i like it a lot of people would be you know would love to be in a position I'm in. I understand that. Um, but yeah, you just still learn a lot too. Like I pick up things from other reporters, like their habits, who they watch. Um, this year I'd say like my biggest thing I've picked up is I've kind of not sat in one spot. Like okay. I used to just sit in one spot in the media bleachers or another bleacher. Um, this year I'm kind of like bouncing around trying as much as I can. Okay. Like they don't give us full access on the sidelines or anything like they like they did with bourbon a, which was nice. Um, I don't miss the fans screaming at me to sit down uh, while I'm trying to do my job. <laughs> I get it. I understand they can't see sometimes because the media, but like, I don't know what that's not my fault. It's the bear's fault. Um, but no, I, I like to move around. I like to look for different things. Um, and also, man, I like in the past, I overanalyzed everything with the quarterbacks. I mean, you know, you, you know, of course with like Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles and like what I, t- what I'd tell you and stuff like that. Um, this year I, I, I'm like analyzing Justin Fields and the quarterbacks, but I'm trying to make a focus to like 
pay attention to the, you know, what are they, what, what special teams doing? What are the bears doing in between drills? Like what right. are they doing um, while, you know, they're not practicing? Like if it's a, if it's a special teams drill, what's the offense and what's the defense doing? So you kind of pick up a lot of little things. Um, and obviously to be honest, I, I really liked the fans I've met so far. Like I like to sit in the fan bleachers and talk to fans. That's um, really cool. Yeah. I mean, not the whole practice, like, you know, I I have had fans try to talk to me for the entire practice and it's it's fine. I, I don't mind it. Um but like, you know, just to pick their brains a little bit, see what they're doing. Right. Um yeah. It's fun. It training camp should be fun for everyone. And I wish the Bears would kind of make it a little more of a unique experience. That'd be kind of my gripe. Um but yeah, no, I'm just trying to pick up new things as much as I can and I just I talk to people, I ask people questions, stuff like that. So yeah, that seems my... Yeah. I mean, that seems super duper cool. I mean, not only the fact that you get to be there as often as you do, but the way that you've evolved throughout training camps is I know the way I'm feeling what I mean, I've been following the Bears for nigh on 16 years now. But as far as actually trying to parse apart what matters of training camp, this is probably like year four or something like that. Yeah. And I completely get what you mean. Like if Justin Fields is going to be a Hall of Famer, like he's not going to show it in a couple of practices. And even if he was, I don't know if year two he would immediately yeah. be showing and you'd just say wow i can't believe it like if you want if you got the chance for instance to watch patrick mahomes or russell wilson how much different would they feel i mean let's just use last year's training camp as a super silly example zach you had a very talented rookie in justin fields you had a former franchise quarterback that led a team for about a decade and you had a super bowl mvp all in the same quarterback room. And I'm sure at different times, they all felt like one was playing better than the other, but I've read reports that Nathan Peterman's had good days out there. And I like to think the book is out on him. So yeah. Oh yeah. Remembering that these are football practices. I mean, there are some of these things that guys need to get a little bit better at. If folks out there are thinking about Justin Fields, for instance, first of all, JT O'Sullivan, who runs the quarterback school on YouTube, just put out a really, really, really good breakdown on Justin Fields. And in that, uh, Zach, one thing he mentioned was that in the preseason game, Fields might be what he called playing a little bit too fast. So taking a look at his first read and bailing out of the pocket. Now, Maybe that could imply some uh, lack of faith in his offensive line that maybe you could tell me about. But it also is a nice reminder that like that's what the preseason's for is so that you can get that game tape out there and Luke Getze can say, Justin, you got to stay in the pocket for a little bit longer than that, man. And they get things tuned up by, by week one. It's it's different remembering that it's all practice to some degree. And, you know, we should point out, I'm pretty sure, you know, the common football fan knows, like, preseason play calling is pretty vanilla. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It's 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 part of the playbook, but they're not going to show you anything that they're, you know, that, that they're going to run that's crunch time situation or right. anything like that, you know? <laughs> um, the other thing with training camp is, like, you bring up a good point. I mean, you know, last year I thought Justin Fields was outplaying Nick Foles and Andy Dalton almost – every day um pretty damn close <laughs> and he didn't even get a shot but like this year like nathan peterman's had some the the best down the field throws so far in these what 10 to 12 practices have been nathan peterman you're kidding or trevor trevor simeon yeah they've had <laughs> i want to say it was the other day it was thursday was it simeon i want to say it was simeon i get so confused i don't like, blame you 14 and 15 like it's just it's it's so confusing they're 14 they the they're 15 they're a stout-ish white quarterback yes, that plays exactly. fundamentally the same game Yes. I mean, and it's like, 
the, what the Bears do is they shuffle in and out like second and third teamers. So you're kind of getting a mix too. So it's kind of, you're never like, oh, that guy's out there. That's definitely a third team. You know, maybe someone like Chris Finke, I don't know, but not even that. Like he's run with the twos as well. So yeah, I mean, Peterman's had some good throws. Simeon's had some good throws. Um, Fields is starting to pick it up a little more. But you're right. I mean, it's it's, it's training camp. Like, we're not really going to fully know, I think, in our eyes until the regular season comes along. And I think there are things you can pick apart from training camp. There are things that you can pick apart from the preseason, like you said. You right. Know, does Justin Fields trust his offensive mind? Like, I thought he scrambled maybe on one or two plays a little too early. Is it in the back of his head? Like, okay, like, this dude is, you know, um, he can't block this guy. Like, do I have to take out of the pocket a little earlier than I want to? Right. Stuff like that. That's kind of the tendencies, you know, that we, that we look for. But yeah, man, I, I just, it's, it's, it's tough to evaluate fully with training camp. Um, oh, yeah. I do think Thursday will give us a little bit of a better idea. I think the starters are going to play a little more. Um, you know, Matty Rufus will talk to us Tuesday. So we won't know till Tuesday what, um, the plan is I'd be shocked if they weren't playing a full quarter, maybe even surprised. a full half. Like, I mean, that's traditional second preseason game. Well, that's the funny part, right? Is, is with the new three game preseason, are we going to have the old school third preseason game in the second yeah. preseason game? Or are they going to wait till the third preseason game? I mean, I would imagine yeah. it's going to be like you said, that second one, but it's funny. We talk about Justin Fields trusting the offensive line. I mean, certainly last year where he spent, I believe it was September getting sacked on 9.3% of his dropbacks. That team did not exactly teach him to hang in the pocket. So I'm sure that there are some bad habits that they're all having to massage out. But like you're saying, we're doing an awful lot of talking about fields on a podcast where nothing that we see now is really going to make a difference. I I would love for it to, right? But even if fields had all the wow throws in the world, Zach, they don't mean much, especially since most of the time, I mean, okay, look, I could make a receiver comment, but we'll leave that for later. Um, What I do know is that there are some questions that I think we can legitimately ask here. For instance, in that preseason game, Justin Jones, 93, not a surprise, but Kyrus Tonga, 95, actually, I didn't expect to see him running with the starters. When you have been watching defensive line, and I know you've been watching a lot of positions, is he the starter apparent, or would you expect somebody more like Angelo Blackson? Mario Edwards is probably be a sub for Justin Jones, so I guess Blackson would be the, the starter at nose, if not Tonga, but what have you seen there? Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, Justin Jones is a beast right there, but the question alongside him, you know, is a good one. And it's not one that's settled because we've seen, I think almost every day it switches, you know, Tonga will be in with the ones, Blackson will be in with the ones. Um, they'll switch when we go with the twos. Um, Edwards is kind of rotating around that defensive line as well. If I had to say right now, I think week one, it's going to be more of like a rotation. Like that makes sense. I think Tonga will start the game, um, but we could see the second drive Blackson come in. You know, we could see it kind of be, you know, um, a, a snap count essentially. I I've been actually been impressed with that interior defensive line, and I thought that it was going to be their biggest weakness on that defense outside of linebacker. Um, and now, obviously, with the Roquan Smith situation, we'll probably get into a little bit. Um, you know, they are they've they've really impressed me. And I think with Justin Jones here, man, he's really going to open things up. And, you know, he's not going to be like an Akeem Hicks type player where he's probably going to ward double teams or anything like that. Um, but he'll find ways to get pressure in the backfield. I think in my notebooks, I've 
literally noted him as getting pressure almost every practice. Tonga has been a guy that's been, yeah, yeah. Almost everyone, almost, I, you know, there's been 12, I'd say 10, 11 of them probably pressures. And one of the, one of the days he was wreaking havoc back there. And obviously let's take it a grain of salt though, because there's no pads. I mean, there are pads, but they're not like going full. It's hard to judge offensive line, defensive line at times um, in training camp. But, you know, Tonga as well, I mean, he's made some plays. He had his hand on a ball, um, was it, was it Wednesday or Thursday, battered down the line of scrimmage against the first-team offense, which was a standout play for me. But they're going to have to figure something out because it, you got to continue it into the regular season. Like, right. It's not only start off good in the regular season, you got to continue it in as well. Um, and if they could get something out of Tonga or Blacks in that rotation, it doesn't awesome. have to be one. It could be both, yeah. And it would be awesome for the Bears. And that would solve a lot because, you know – Going into the year, I was worried about that run defense, you know. And we've seen over the years at times, Bears have had a stout run defense. But when that middle is open without Eddie Goldman, uh, they were getting gashed at times. Yep. And, and I'm worried that might happen this year if, if no one steps up. And I'll be the first to tell you that I am too. I mean, we can over-focus on a preseason game too much. I can't emphasize enough that what I'm about to say comes with a pretty heavy grain of salt. But I remember a three-down, or like a three-play series where on second and one, the Chiefs tried to run the ball. They didn't get it because uh, Tonga, at the time, took on two linemen and created just enough of a hole for, I think it was Nick Morrow, to dive-bomb the running back and catch him at the line of scrimmage. But the Chiefs seemed to say, okay, 95, if that's how you want to play it, will come at you and the next play they decleated him and picked up a first down very easily and the play after that they picked up six yards right between the tackles if this run defense can't get stops when they need to and that's the core right every every defense in football no matter honestly how bad you are will eventually get a run stuff but on third and two, you got to be able to make a play or you're never going to get off the field. Oh, I mean, if, if third and one is an automatic conversion, your defense is in trouble. And on that six-yard play, I forgot to mention, that was with three linebackers in. So I, I don't want to raise the red flags too early, but it's really cool to hear that Justin Fields is the penetrator that we saw him play on Saturday. And obviously, that's without Lucas Patrick. Right. Yeah, so yeah. your starting center is probably Sam Mustafer and Cody Whitehair has not looked particularly good for maybe going on about a year and a half now. So if I sound overwhelmingly negative, it's purely because, wow, would you believe it? The, the position going up against the interior offensive line is succeeding. Zach, I never would have guessed. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, it, and that's another thing to kind of take in mind here overall with this team. Like we talked about. You know, it's hard to judge some positions, but like judging Justin Fields, judging the offensive line, the defensive line, there's so many injuries on this team. Like, look at why. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's what, four or five, four guys out like right now. Um, The offensive line's beat up too. So, you know, you're right. It is Tonga in blacks and going up against Sam Mustafer and, you know, going up against Michael Schofield that kind of needs a little ramp up time a little bit. Um, yeah, it's really tough to judge a lot of this. And, you know, that's the problem with injuries is, you know, you're losing players. You can't really establish that rhythm of who your first and second team is. But the Bears aren't going to make any excuses. You know, you tell Matt Eberflus that he's going to say, well, next man up. You're telling the players that, next man up. We got to – and that's why you have depth. Of course. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good measuring stick. But, um, again, you know, will Lucas Patrick be in there? Can Tonga do that against him? You know, that's going to be something to watch soon. Now, speaking of offensive line, 
I mean, there's a name you know I have to ask you about, Zach, oh, because <laughs> Braxton Jones yes. has been this this name that just exploded onto the scene in OTAs. I think every Bears fan out there, me included, said, "You're you're kidding me. He's starting." Like, there's an air of disbelief, you know? It became, okay, well, which which position is Larry Borum going to start at because he's yeah. the incumbent? It became, okay, well, where is Tevin Jenkins going to start? And we don't even need to get into that. I'm, I We get too many updates on the Tevin Jenkins scenario. We could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> oh, and we still wouldn't know anything, right? Exactly. But number 70 turned out a very solid game for a rookie fifth-round pick. Has he been the real deal in practice, too? Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of funny because when we first saw Braxton Jones take over, it was like the final six practices of OTAs and um, uh, mandatory minicamp there in the offseason. It was like the, the story was, you know, at least on Bears Twitter was, oh, you know, it doesn't matter if they get the pads on. Tevin will be back in there. It'll be fine. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I was asked this by a couple of people, um, you know, friends and other people on, on our message board, um, you know, what is the deal? What's going on with Braxton Jones? What's going on with Tevin Jenkins? And I said, you know, I agreed. I think, okay, we got to wait till the pads get on, but there's a reason why he's taking first team reps. You know, it's not because Tevin Jenkins was struggling. It was because Braxton Jones impressed the coaches. And I think he impressed the coaches right away when they drafted him. If he wasn't a small school prospect, you know, if, even if he went to like a bigger, you know, D one school, um, he'd be probably, you know, maybe a day two pick, um, at least according to some out there. Seems like it. What I like is I, I talked to his trainer. I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, I actually did a podcast with his <laughs> trainer, and um, this is going to drive me nuts because I know his name. He's a former offensive lineman. Um, and I asked him in the interview, I was like, you know, tell me about Braxton. Like, what what is he really focusing on? What did he focus on in the draft process? And he said, we do a lot of on-the-field stuff. You know, he's a trainer in Arizona. He goes, we do a lot of on-the-field stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, pretty typical answer. He goes, but the thing that stood out about Braxton was he wanted to work on the whiteboard, you know, the chalkboard. He wanted to know where his assignment is, you know, what gaps are what, what he has to do here, you know, what the formation, the defense is showing. He was studying everything else off the field too. And he took that over to the NFL and he's still been doing it. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a very knowledgeable guy. We've gotten to talk to him a couple of times. He comes across very smart um, knows what he's talking about. And he put the work in. I mean, he put the work in not only on the field, but off the field. And that's the toughest thing to do. You're, you're out there grinding every single day. You're, your body's just getting beat up. And then you have to go home and also study and be in meetings. And he did all that. And so far, right. I've been impressed because he's going up against Robert Quinn in practice. And he's gotten his butt whooped a couple times in practice. I mean, they do these one-on-one -on -one offensive line drills for anyone that's been out the Bears camp you'll see this, it, it, the offensive line lines up, then there's one defensive player, they fire off, it's one-on-one. -on -one. And early in practice, I mean, he was getting whipped by Robert Quinn. But I looked at it as like this, that's supposed to happen. Of course. If Braxton Jones is stonewalling Robert Quinn on the first day of training camp, I will, let's get him a gold jacket. Fitting Quinn would right be away. hurt. Yeah, like, that know, sounds or, or awful. Hurt, yeah, <laughs> like, it, or Quinn would be hurt, or Quinn would be, you know, the storyline would be different, but he rebounded well. And, you know, even the other day is a perfect example. I want to say it was family fest. He got whooped on a one-on-one -on -one with Robert. Or no, it was, at, it was at house hall. He got whooped on a one-on-one -on -one with Robert Quinn. Quinn put a nice move on him inside quick as hell. Got to the, got to the quarterback in the drill. 
In 11-on-11s to end practice, when the Bears did like their two-minute drill, Braxton Jones held his own against Robert Quinn, and Quinn could not get pressure on Justin Fields. They made a couple nice throws down the field, uh, moved the ball, and that told me it's like, okay, he messed up once. He kind of saw his mistake. He knew what he had to do. He got familiar with Quinn, and the the reps they had in practice later on, you know, he was, he was really good on it. And that's what you're going to do in a game. You're going right. to see these defensive linemen in a game. And guess what? Someone might burn you, burn you right away early in the game. But if you're smart in what I think Braxton Jones is, guess what? He's going to learn in the game and do his homework and study. And, and it's kind of funny because I, I kind of reminded me of James Daniels when he was here. He was a rookie. Okay. He kind of the same mentality. He was really smart. One, not only the on-field stuff, but like the chalkboard stuff. And I remember talking about Aaron Donald. And I talked to him, uh, I think it was after the game during the week. And I said, you know, what'd you kind of learn? And he goes, well, Aaron Donald put a move on me the first like three or four times, you know, reps. And he got me. <laughs> and then I, I read that and knew, okay, I have to adjust. And he adjusted. And the rest of the game, I think it was the game like that. Was it um, either the Sunday night one? or Yeah, it was the Sunday night one in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. They're, they they did really well on Aaron Donald. The big mm-hmm. reason why was James Daniels. So, you know, I, I think Braxton Jones looks the part. Um, he had a rough moment, I think, once or twice yesterday. What was it? Yeah, Saturday. But he was fine for most of the game, I thought. I mean, that's going to happen. Like, he's going up against a really damn good defensive lineman. So, yeah. I mean, I was just talking with Sam Householder about this, about how if there is anything that's almost – it's easy to forget, Zach, yeah. when we start focusing on just the Bears, we start thinking, oh, well, shoot, how is sixth-round pick uh, Zachary Thomas going to play when he gets the pads on? Well, yeah. if you're not ready to face Vita Vea, you aren't ready to start. I mean, if you're not ready to face Frank uh, – Frank, oh, my goodness. How am I forgetting his name? I think it's uh, Frank Clark. Frank Clark, yeah. Uh, like, if you're not ready to face Frank Clark, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Khalil Mack, now that he's on another team, uh, or like the Bosa's, Preston yeah. Smith, you yeah. don't get a week off in the NFL. Oh. Oh, so no. I keep I can't help myself but look at Braxton thinking, when I say, is he the real deal? I'm asking, can he start at all? Because yeah. we're still talking about a fifth-round pick pedigree here. I mean, pedigree doesn't mean everything. But if Braxton Jones, out of the fifth round that they traded down for, I mean, I like to keep remembering that piece of the story where Braxton was somebody that fell from the spot that they originally had. They didn't do yeah. the Ryan Pace thing of diving on it just because he was there. If he makes like a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro list, I mean, hats off and hats off again. Right now, hats are already off if he starts and uh, yeah. and looks like not the worst lineman on the on the line. Uh, and it sounds like he's not. Yeah, no, I think he's gonna start. I'd be shocked if he didn't start a left tackle. I Good think there's a him. reason. Yeah, I think there's a reason why they pulled him so early too. Like typically, a rookie, um, obviously, you know, probably not quarterback or anything like that. But a rookie, if he's on the first team, he's probably playing a little more in that first preseason game. I mean, they pulled him what, after the third series. Yeah. with Like with Jaquan Fields. Brisker, though, to, to exactly what exactly. you're saying. Like, exactly. He's going to play a little bit into that second quarter so that he, as a defender, can remember, okay, exactly. I am really good. I need yeah. to find a way to carry that to the first team, but I am that dude. And, and I think if Kyler Gordon was healthy, it'd probably be the same thing. Probably. Yeah, and, and I think you know that's a good point because – now you look at, at Braxton Jones and it's like, oh, he was pulled. I, I mean, I think he's going to be the, the week one starter. I'd be shocked. I mean, I think it would have to take an injury um, to him. 
Um, you know, maybe, I mean, this would probably not happen, but someone like ascends, like Tevin Jenkins just has monster, you know, practices or monster or, or whoever on that side, Riley Reef, whatever, gets switched over back over there. I don't know. I think he's going to start. I think barring any injury, he'll start week one. I mean, and, and guess what? I mean, look at the first two weeks. Who, who they got to go up against? I mean, San Francisco, <laughs> Green Bay. I mean, those are two top, what, top five defenses? I mean. Good luck. Yeah, I good mean... luck. Here you go. But guess what? I mean, that's going to help. Like, well, he could get his butt kicked week one, but he'll learn from it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Zach, this is the weirdest Bears football season that I've oh, seen man. in a little while. Because yeah. Okay, that may not be wholly true. Because the 2021 season was like watching a risen zombie play football. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I felt like that was a lame duck regime. And just talking about that team, it was like, well, what are we going to do with ourselves for a year? This yeah. year, though, I, I feel like the wins and losses, I mean, this could be avant-garde. I almost feel like they don't matter. I almost yes. get the vibe from the coaching staff that they care more about the individual rep than the yes. actual final score. Like, show me a good drive. Show me two good drives. Show me three good drives. We won the game. Neat. But this isn't the this isn't the team that we've been following for a little while that just wants to hang around and find a way to win it at the end. Like, I'm sure they do to some degree. But if Nick Bosa destroys Braxton Jones, this is the season where that would be considered a learning experience instead of something that needs to change. You know what I mean? I agree. And you're right, because like the last couple of years outside of twenty eighteen, like it just kind of felt odd with like Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, especially last oh, yeah. year, especially twenty twenty. Horrible. Mean, I can't imagine working in that room, honestly. No, in twenty twenty, like you know, if they don't have that soft schedule at the end, like, yeah, you know, Mitch Trubisky played better, like wasn't number two pick better, but he played better. But they were going up against Houston. They're going up against Jacksonville, Minnesota. Like, they put up, what, like 28-plus points on all three of them? And then look what they happened when they played Green Bay. And then look what happened when they played New Orleans. Like, yep. two good teams. And you kind of felt like after that, I thought, okay, you know what? I think it's over. Like, they need to make the move. They need to end this regime. And then they bring them back, and you feel like, okay, you know, the, the wins and losses obviously count. But, like, for that situation, it counted a lot more. And, yep. you know – I think that's a good point. Obviously, Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, they want to win. Like, they're not going to be happy with a 3-13 and 13 season. But ideally, in my eyes, the dream season for the Bears, if they're going to be bad, is you get a top 5-10 pick and Justin <laughs> Fields is good. That can happen. Like, they could, they, that can happen. Of course and it can. Gonna, yeah, and people are going to hate hearing that. But, like, if you're not, if you're going to miss the playoffs, don't be the 8-9 nine seed you know what i mean like right. don't be that team that's picking 16 17 be that team that picking top 10 while justin fields takes their strides because guess what you're going to get a playmaker at linebacker offensive line wherever you know wide receiver you're going to get a playmaker or you're going to get a bunch of offers for someone to come up to get a quarterback or someone and you can kind of do what the giants did to the bears a couple of years ago so oh, yeah i mean honestly you could yeah. do more i mean the the deal that i know i keep having flow around in my head and i get it there are going to be some people that are going to be like i cannot believe we're talking about losing especially yeah. since just two years ago we were talking about losing with justin fields potentially on the board i still can't quite believe he fell to 11 but i digress <laughs> if for instance zach the bears went three and 14 which would be a hard season to watch and i'm not trying to pretend it wouldn't and somehow justin fields doesn't like leaves the jury out 
because yeah. when you lose 14 games, if somehow he was healthy for that long, like all we're looking for is for him to not be not the answer, right? Yeah. You might very well end up with some Mariota trade up, like RG3 trade up, like two yeah. first rounders, two second rounders, and a third or something like that. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but with CJ Stroud and Bryce Young having so much narrative at their back, like at their oh, backs, yeah. a top three pick is going to sell for a high, high price this year. And it's just rare, oh, right? Yeah. That you end up in the NFL in a perfect situation where. Your team is not, I mean, your team would describe itself as planning for the future. The word we all use is future-minded, right? Ryan Poles is clearly future-minded. Matt Eberflus is clearly building for the future. And so that doesn't make losing okay. It just means that they're not tied to the 2022 team's success and failure. They're not depending on Cody Whitehair to have a bounce back season. I almost think that if Zach Thomas had had a better camp, that he could be a cut candidate, but it, that doesn't seem like it's the case. Yeah, no. But it, it's just a weird year. And when you watch camp, is there anything that points to that? Like, I don't know. Is there a difference in the way that you see the camp practices run on the Flu side versus what you've seen for now four years with Nagy? Yeah. I mean, more intense. Um, really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it is, it's intense out there. It's a lot of the, I mean, no one's walking in between drills. Um, I, I, I won't say like that might've been the case early on with Nagy or anything like that, but I've noticed for sure. No one's run, like no one's walking between drills. The big thing has been noted by a lot of people, um, even day one, like when not even training camp, like off season stuff, anytime the football's on the ground, incomplete, anything like that, the defense is picking it up. The defense is trying to return it. Doesn't matter how many was like, I'll give you an example. So they had refs out at the practices the past couple of days. And there was a ball. There was a, well, there was one that was picked off by DHC. They blew him dead because he was tackled. The refs just blowing his whistle nonstop. The other refs, you know, waving his arms. DHC and the rest of the defense is still returning the football, acting like it's it's a live ball. There was an incompletion. They did the same exact thing. They picked it up. The refs <laughs> waving his hands. The ref, poor refs are blowing the damn whistle. They're going. And, you know, they also run um, – I've noticed they run a, a, a drill where – I don't know who the coach is. I couldn't get an eye on it. I saw it the other day. The defense lines up. They toss the ball up. It's almost like 500, but they know what who's going to. Okay. It typically goes to like a, a linebacker or a, a defensive back. They get the ball, and the whole defense runs that way for a pick six. And they're like working on blocking and getting out and kind of getting more funny. Yeah, and I didn't see that really with Nagy and, and Pace. But, yeah, the intensity is definitely ramped up. I mean, Matt Abrams was not lying. Like, they got their track shoes on. Intensity's ramping up. There's no one walking, you know, even during breaks, like when special teams is going, I don't really notice like anyone kind of slumping around. Like and if they are sitting down, not sitting down, but kneeling down with their helmets, like usually position groups around each other, but there's guys like Darnell Mooney's off to the side doing work. David Montgomery's been off to the side doing work, like catching the football, things like that. It's a little more animated. Um, I think they, they're really buying in on Ibrafus and he's, he said he's got we got a bunch of team from team oriented guys and I think that's the case I, I really do I, he he was not lying at all 
Now, there's one position group before we go to break. And after break, we're going to go into a lightning round where I'm going to ask you about players and whether you think that they've taken a step forward or not. But so uh, before I do, there's one position group that in the preseason game just stuck out to me. The linebackers without Roquan Smith look better than I've seen them look in a, well, they look a lot better than they did during the Fangio years. Nick Morrow looked solid. Jack Sanborn was obvious. The, uh, even Matt Adams who had himself a rough day. I mean, it's tough to be simultaneously the run sledgehammer and also to take Travis Kelsey in man coverage. I think that's hard for anybody, but (laughs) the linebackers seem like they've got that. They're more wired in than they were when Josh Woods was taking starting reps against the Green Bay Packers offense. Do you feel, or what have you seen, if anything, Matt Eberflus and his staff do with that group that hasn't happened in Chicago recently? Like, is there any change other than they pick different guys? I think it's more the personnel, the guys. Um, There's nothing that really stood out to me that's been like they're doing anything crazy different. Obviously, when you switch to a 4-3 different defense, it's a little different. Um, you know, it's not the same as a 3-4. I think it's the guys. And I think it's the guys because they're still doing this without Roquan Smith. And Roquan Smith has been there. I mean, he's helped the guys out. Apparently, he's been in the meetings, according to Iberflus and, and what we heard earlier in training camp. But I, I just think it's the type of players they have. Like, they want those. It's almost like, I don't want to get it, like, too, like, meatball or anything like that, but like hard nose, like defensive players, like tough guys, like tough linebackers. And I think, you know, we haven't really had that outside of Roquan and, and when Danny Trevathan's been healthy over the past couple of years, because like you said, like Josh Ward is more of like a speed linebacker. Well, he was a safety at Maryland. I think like they converted him. Uh, God, I couldn't even tell you who played linebacker the last couple of years with, with those injuries too. It's, I kind of blocked that all in my mind, but no, I think it's the personnel, man. I, I really do. I think it's the guys they have. Like, Nicholas Morrow has been fantastic. Like, he's been a pleasant surprise for me. He's quick. He's smart. He's got experience calling the plays out there with, with, with the headset and the helmet. Um, you know, then, like, Matt Adams has experience in this defense. Jack Sanborn was fun to watch um, on Saturday. A local kid who, who, you know, had the big game was all over the field yeah. uh, in the second half. All over the field. So I think it's just the guys, man. I think they're really bought in. Their, their room is, is – I mean, you think about it, You look at some of these younger guys, like Jack Sandborn trying to make the roster. He comes in, he's learning from Roquan Smith. He's learning from Nicholas Morrow, who has a lot of experience. He's learning from, learning from Matt Adams, who has a lot of experience. Um, yeah, they, they, I think it's just the personnel and the room that they have. Makes sense. I mean, if anything, I I felt like I know I could feel that hungry, intense yeah. attitude. It was nice seeing um, – this is not intended to be a criticism, but it was nice seeing a linebacker for the first time in probably two years punch through an offensive lineman to make a couple of plays uh, like we saw in both the first, second, and third quarter. It's just not something that's in 58's toolkit, and that's totally okay. Yep. Um, but that hungry, that turnover attitude, like it's, it makes sense that when you get the defense and each individual person practicing blocking four pick sixes that you start to create people that manifest those turnovers. I mean, hopefully it translates onto the field. Hard to play good modern defense without takeaways, right? Yeah, you got to get the takeaways. I mean, 
I don't care how good your defense is. You got to get the takeaways. Like you got to limit the possessions from the opposing offense. You got to give your offense more possessions too. That means more Justin Fields on the field, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Perfect. Well, let's go to break and then we'll come back. We'll talk individual cool. players. Sound good? Let's, let's do it. Perfect. See you on the other side. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with Bear With Me. I've got Zach Pearson from the Bear Report here. We're talking training camp, preseason, and everything related to the Bears. So, Zach, this is the time of year when people start pointing at a player and they say, he's looking pretty good. He's going to surprise people. We went through the Kendall Vildor experience last year. We know that sometimes it works. Like, for instance, Darno Mooney was a camp standout, uh, like, not too long ago, and now he's a burgeoning wide receiver one. Uh, Kendall Vildor, not so much. I mean, obviously the guy gets a whole lot of hate, and I don't want to be somebody who's just piling on, but sometimes you get asked to play a role that might be just a little bit above what you can actually play, and then you end up on national television giving up touchdowns, and it's good for nobody, right? But I've got a couple players that... Whether they're real or not, I want you to tell me. So you could say real or you could say not. Cole Komet reportedly has taken a big step related to tight end quarterback chemistry. Maybe he doesn't look like the uh, you know some new player, but does it feel like Cole Komet's potential res- or like surge could be real? Yeah, I'll say real for that one. I, I think that one's definitely real. I think from what I've seen out there at camp, his role is definitely going to be expanded a little more. And he doesn't really have to worry. I mean, what last year he didn't have the touchdown. He had a nice year, but didn't have a touchdown receiving. They also had Jimmy Graham. They had, um, oh gosh, who's the tight end from Pittsburgh that they took? They uh, that was, that was, no, it wasn't Miller. It was Who Jesse was it? James. Um, yeah, Jesse James. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll say for Cole Komet real. Um, he's got to stay healthy though. Like, I don't know what's going on with his injury. Matty Rufus won't really. Oh, good. Much, <laughs> I'll say real though for that one. Perfect. All right, so. 31, Tristan Ebner had himself a firecracker of a game, and he scored on everybody's favorite Madden play call, the halfback angle route, (laughs) that was just, it was just nice, because when you see little things like that, I know the play calling felt like it was in a nice direction, but Ebner in particular, a seventh round pick of this year, do you think he has a real shot at making an impact this season, or is he just a teamer? As a pass catcher of the backfield, I'd say real. Um, as a special teamer, I'd say real as well. I, I um, Maybe not like he's not going to take over for David Montgomery or probably pass Khalil Herbert as a running back. I, I think you know he had that long run 
on Saturday, but then you look his next, what, five carries. He only had four yards or, or five yards or something right. like that. I'd say real just because I think he's going to make an impact as, as a pass catcher um, on the backfield. And I, I've liked what I've seen from him at camp so far. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, you're, so, a Baylor, you're a Baylor guy. Too, of course. So. Well, I yeah. like Ebner, but yeah. I didn't expect him. So it's to be very specific on Ebner for just a moment. Halfback pass catching. Some guys can make it look really hard. Like oh, yeah. lately, if you're in a Chicago uniform and you're wearing 24, pass catching just yeah. looks really, just really say, difficult. I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say Khalil Herbert. Yeah, like Khalil Herbert and, and Jordan, Jordan Howard before him. Yeah. Like 24 yeah. just makes it look rough. And it's even simple things like the halfback angle. Part of why it works so well is because so many linebackers get accustomed to covering a running back that pops out into the flat, and suddenly he just turns inside. And if you get caught sleeping you are just nowhere close like the bears saw on trevor simeon's really nice little touchdown and so like you're saying i mean i'm I'm curious to see what demo's role is going to be i mean that's somebody who obviously has a big statement year ahead of him uh in his own contract negotiation that's currently being overshadowed by roquan smith but i'm i'm excited about ebner he's a seventh round pick he's a baylor guy so i i am definitely trying to just tamp down my own enthusiasm but on to our third player there's a certain receiver that came over from Kansas City that everybody has earmarked for 600 yards, depending on what part of what message board you look at. How's Byron Pringle looked in training camp so far? Um, man, I I don't buy the 600 yard hype or anything like that. Um, I thought going into camp, I was like, he might be real. That he's got a legit shot right now, though. I mean, that was he got a quad injury. I want to say. Um, I don't know what it is specifically. There's new ones yeah, every day. Keeping up is tough. I know. I think it's a quad. I want to say it's a quad. Um, so it's it's real or not, right? Yes. Okay, man. I'm gonna. It's gonna be my first not. Like, and it's it's not because I don't think he can be an, a, a solid receiver in this offense. He's got to get healthy first, and he's got to show it. I mean, he wasn't having a great camp. He wasn't having an awful camp. It was kind of just, eh. but it's like the 600 yard hype. You know, six seven touchdowns. I don't see it right now. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully, but I'll give you a chance to hop back on the positivity train. We've all seen Twitter highlights of Valus Jones just toasting people. What has he looked like on the down to down? Yeah, real. I'd say real. I think um, think he's going to be better than people think. And he is giving Kyler Gordon the work. Really? (laughs) Yeah. With, I mean... Kyler Gordon's rebound had a couple good ones, but early on, I mean, Vilas Jones was getting, when they were healthy, Vilas Jones was giving them, you know, inside slants, you know, fake outside, go inside, uh, double moves, up and stuff like that, you know. And I think Vilas is going to get behind the defense a couple times this year. Can Justin Fields hit him? And I think the hype for Vilas Jones is real. Well, I got to say, I mean, they say it, you hear it in basketball all the time that you can't teach height. You can't teach yep. speed in oh, football. No. I mean, when you've got that Tyreek Hill speed, it's easy to talk. I mean, obviously, the guy's a star. It's easy to look at Tyreek Hill and say, oh, well, I mean, he's much more than just a fast guy. But, Zach, if you watch some of the tape I do, sometimes he is just a fast just guy. A fa- yeah. And he's just that fast and on and has 
has the right quarterback in Patrick Mahomes and takes the top out of all kinds of defenses. And when you have somebody, because this really intrigues me and hearing you say that has me thinking about it, when you can scare a corner for what you can do on a go, your slant gets that much better. Your oh, curl wow. gets that much better. Your, every other route that you run doesn't have – I mean, people talked at length about how Bayless Jones' route running isn't perfect. It doesn't need to be perfect. When If it takes him three steps on a dig but the corner is like four steps backwards, just just to be sure that what, – no, what number is he wearing, by the way? Uh, Bayless? Bayless. 12. Just to be sure, number 12 doesn't fly right by him, right? Suddenly, you've got a really nice open window to throw into. Yep. That's exciting. And how much Debo stuff has he actually gotten work in? Because, I mean, is he just a receiver? <laughs> I mean, they've lined him up. And they've lined him up on the outside. They've lined him up in the slot. I'm trying to – he's been hurt. So, it's, I'm trying to think if they've ever been in the backfield. I – oh, man. Because it would go on it. Like, I, it would surprise I, me if he was. Especially yeah, in camp. I honestly can't think early on in camp. Maybe once, twice. Maybe. Like, maybe. I was mainly on the outside. They had him in the slot. Nothing, like, in the backfield yet that I confidently remember. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned somebody that I didn't have on my list. But okay. Kyler Gordon has gotten a lot of play, and not all of it's been super positive. I mean, you've watched a lot of rookie corners. I'm not asking you to tell me that because he's not Darrell Rivas, he must suck. But yeah. what are you seeing out there? So, you know, if I had to say real or not, I'd say it's stable. <laughs> if that's an option. Middle. Like, yeah, it's just like middle. I, I feel you. And it doesn't it, – it, he hasn't been out there. That's the thing. Like, when he's out there, you know, they've worked on the boundaries. They've worked him on, on in the slot too. And I was really – that was interesting to see him in the slot because a lot of people think – okay, you know, you, you take him the second round, that's your guy on the outside. That's your guy opposite Jalen Johnson. But he's been good in the slot, too, when he's in there at times. So I think there's a lot of promise. Um, I'm just curious what the injury, can he stay healthy? Because now this is in the offseason, and now in training camp he's missed time. Good. And I don't know if the offseason was the contract or injury, but it's not really, not very, you know, not exciting. Yeah, not exciting. I I wouldn't close the book obviously on him. I I don't know. It's hard to say, you know, if he's if he's standing out or mm-hmm. or not because he just hasn't been out there recently as well. So. Oh yeah. And for a town like Chicago that's had his up and down safety plays, it's had recently with uh, yeah. obviously an incredible 2018 and different results depending on who you ask. Jaquan Brisker is a name real, that a lot of people real, are, real, oh, real. go. <laughs> just go. Take it. Real. <laughs> Real man, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. No, please do. <laughs> that, man, that series he had on Saturday forced a three and out all by himself. Right, well, he had the big hit, the tackle for loss. I mean, he should have had an interception. Here's why I say real like that. He's gonna make Eddie Jackson better. Too. Oh yeah, I, I really think he's gonna make Eddie Jackson better because you said it. Like 2018, look what Eddie Jackson has best years: 2017, 2018, alongside Adrian Amos. They haven't had a true safe, like strong safety. And I know people want to say, you know, like the box safety, all that stuff. They haven't, like, how Clinton Diggs was probably more of a free safety. Like, Sean Gibson had the build of, like, a big hitting safety in a way. But, you know, we saw what they did with Eddie Jackson last year. Like, they just didn't complement each other well. And then they put Eddie Jackson in the nickel. 
that final what game against the Vikings? Remember that? Well, like they put him a, everywhere. I yeah, mean, they put him everywhere. Yeah. If there was, if there's a critique I have of Sean Desai, I've said it a couple times. And Zach, you you are close enough to the team to know what I'm talking about. Maybe Desai took player input a little too yes, much. I that's mean, a good point. there's there's some stuff. Look, I'm not trying to dog on the guy. There are a lot of things that I thought Desai did really well, but things like Jalen Johnson shadowing uh, Devonte Adams were exactly the kind of idea that you would expect Jalen to be down for and it's your job as a coach to say maybe we don't do that yeah and and do you remember um Jalen was in the slot against Devante when yeah that's what I'm saying I haven't Jalen's like yeah I need to work on that he really did not work on that in the offseason because he didn't I guess I don't want to speak for him but I'm guessing he probably didn't expect to be doing that like See, that's a good be, point. It's the kind of athlete. I mean, like, I don't blame him. What corner is going to tell you, man? I'm not really that kind of guy. Exactly. Like, it, you don't <laughs> want that corner. You no, don't. Like, you if don't. He's admitting, like, I'm not that guy. I can't shadow this. But like you last are. year's number one receiver in the NFL, like, please, yeah. please don't face him down in the slot without a lot yeah. of slot experience. But we digress. The main reason I know I bring that up is because, as maybe Eddie Jackson's number one supporter uh, that's left, maybe not quite number one. Brandon Robinson exists. But yes. that said. <laughs> I, I know I've been really vocal about the fact that when defenses, when offenses don't have to pay attention to Eddie Jackson, why would we expect Eddie to Jackson to be particularly good? I mean, yeah. if you can just ignore number four on all the times when he's right in position and go somewhere else, then he's not creating any pressure and you just don't have to throw at him. And it's impossible to pick a pass off from literally the other side of the field. But like you're mentioning, I mean, Zach, people forget that the year after he played on the Bears, HaHa Clinton Dix was not on a roster and hasn't been on a roster since. That's right. He got I cut mean, by Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. To Sean Gibson was was not very good. And I don't yeah. quite know where he landed now. But if Jaquan Brisker, yeah. like you're saying, is a safety worth being afraid of, then that means that you're going to look away from nine and push the ball towards four. And yeah. if that's the case, I mean, like you're saying, that gives Eddie Jackson, let's put it this way, that lets Eddie control his own destiny. Because yeah. I can't tell you, even as a big fan of his, whether or not he will be good. You know what I mean? But at the very least, we can get away from this whole, well, I could throw at Vildor, or I could throw at Gibson, or I could just close my eyes and throw in the general direction of either of them, and I'll probably be fine. Now that we've got a DB core that feels like it's really starting to round into itself, we we can see, we can expect better from the guy that used to be the number one paid safety in the NFL. And, you know, when you watched Eddie Jackson in those years, he was really good. And he made plays on the ball. Like oh, yeah. the Detroit game on Thanksgiving, him breaking that what underneath routes, it was it to the tight end, I want to say, mm-hmm. and just coming up and reading it the entire way. And From 20 yards out, which yeah. I know is like part of the way that the defense was rolling, but it still looks super cool. Oh, them. yeah. And um, was the Minnesota game, I think he had a pick and a return back for a touchdown. Like he's a playmaker. He's I think he's still got that, but. Yeah, I think Jaquan's going to make him like just Jaquan being there is going to make him a, a little better. And I'm excited, man, because like Brisker just feels like a guy like, again, I don't want to go with like the meatball at Homerism, but like he feels like that old school type safety. Go for it. He wants to hit you like he wants to make plays like he's not afraid. He doesn't care if it's if it's the best tight end in the league, the best, you know, whoever in the league he's, that rules. He's going to hit you, man. Like it, it's 
he's been a blast to kind of watch out there. He's just, he's just everywhere. It's so much fun. And like you're saying, I think they need it because as much as, again, Eddie Jackson was willing to make plays on the line, he had multiple run stuffs, which is bizarre for a safety. That's not what I think any of us would say is his strength. And oh, so yeah. with a defense that, especially up on the goal line, we saw Brisker basically stand right next to the wheel linebacker. So there are going to be times where Brisker is going to be playing in the box and yeah. he's got the size obviously to do that, but you need the attitude. That's cool to hear that he is real and we can file him there. Yep. Are there any outside of real, not real? Are there any tight ends besides Cole Komet that have surprised <sighs> you or is it kind of just Cole or nobody? Pretty much Cole or nobody. And, and I mean, right now, I don't know what that's going to be tomorrow when I get out of practice. The last three practices, um, there was three tight ends healthy, which is wow. wild. Yeah. Chase Allen. Um, UDFA. Chase, yeah. And uh, Rice and John. Oh, good. So not, uh, not O'Shaughnessy. Not, O'Shaughnessy uh, hasn't been out there. What's the Jets guy that they signed? Um, yeah. Uh, Griffin. Griffin. Um, See, he's yeah. not out there either. Chase, is, I forgot, Chase Griffin. It's something Griffin. Um, Ryan Griffin, I think. Ryan Griffin. Yes, mm-hmm. he's not been out there. Um, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's hard for that position to make an impact when there's no one out there. And you know, I, I maybe Rice and John might have a shot. He's tall. I think he's got a basketball background. Um, but yeah, man, that's gonna be a position that's gonna be very interesting. So I've been down this route with Ian Bunting. Don't you take me down it again? Yes. Like the, the yes. tall no, basketball guy. <laughs> yeah, man. I, it's, I was on that train too. Was, it, it's I, easy to fall in love with, right? It's like right? easy. Like you see, like oh, Jimmy Graham played basketball. Like Antonio Gates played basketball. And you're like, yep. I think I play basketball. Yep, they play basketball. Let's sign him up. Um, no, I, for this one, I'd say no. Like. I'm not because like it's just there's no one healthy right now it's, it's okay wild. now let me twist it up a little bit the tevin jenkins hype is not good so from where we're like not only i mean goodness gracious i can't help but think that there's something kind of almost vicious not literally like not not malicious but there's it is a very loud statement to play yeah. a former second round pick from last year that much in the third and fourth quarter of a preseason game like that's just that's just not time that guys drafted their take up is (laughs) when it comes to the alarm bells are they real or do you think that they're not man um it's tough it's interesting because I, i i do think we have to keep this in mind he's still ramping up um he's in that ramp up period according to maddie refus so I can kind of see why they played him as much as they did, but looking at him in practice, he's been with the third team a lot. He's been with the second team a lot. Um, you know, not a lot. He's been with the third team a lot, the second team a little. I think the alarm bells are real. Like I, I think he's gonna make the team, but I think he's gonna be like man, fifty to fifty-three. You know, if that makes sense. Like he'll well, be one of the. You can't cut him. Like. Yeah. If you, you cut him, he's not going to clear waivers of exactly. all the people out there, right? No, he will not clear waivers, no. Um, but at the same time, like, maybe Ryan Poles, it doesn't matter to Ryan Poles. Like, I've always said this, and, and Aaron's brought up a good point on our podcast too, um, Aaron Lemming. Ryan Poles is not married to anyone on this roster. And I think that's really showing. Like, I always just said, like, the two players I think would never leave or they'd never move. It's Justin Fields and Roquan Smith. Um, don't know about the second one now. Um, well, 
carry the Jenkins question over there. Do you yeah. think those are real alarm bells or are you sitting there? Cause I, we hear reports on the outside of, yeah. Oh, Roquan's going through warmups. Oh, Roquan's doing his conditioning work. Like does this, yeah, he's, feel, he's always been doing that. Does this feel tense? Like yeah. when, when yeah. you're out there watching the way that they're even looking at each other, all those simple little things, right? Like, does this feel like a group of people, Hey, they're going through business motions that, you know, they have to go through and then they're going to work it out because ultimately they're all on the same team. Or does this feel like an organization and a player that are kind of at odds with each other? I think they're at odds, obviously. Um, a week ago tonight, I would say the other way, like, okay, like they're going to get something done. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's always been out there doing warm-ups, though. Um, the, the other day, he came out late. He was in the trainer's room. Um, the first practice after Pup. I just, I think it's now we've seen, you know, after the statement, you know, Ryan Poles pretty much said, all right, let's play hardball. We're pulling you off, Pup. Let's go. And I don't think they're going to find him as long as he shows up. I don't think you want to risk that. Now, if we get into next week and no deal's done, it's kind of one of those, uh, let's, um, you know, I don't know if I can cuss on here, but let's pooper get off the pot essentially. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. That's it is a tough one because I'm still like 50-50. Like, and and you and I know a lot of the same people that that we talk to, around, right? You know, and it kind of feels like a lot of people are either made up their mind, like, yeah, it feels like he's gone. It feels like he's here. He's gonna stay. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like 50. I'm just like, this is so odd because we can't get an answer out of anyone. Like. Right. I mean, Jason Leisure, Adam Hogue, um, Patrick Finley, Dan Weirder, all of them right away. The first like 10 questions the other day. Hey, you know, what's going on with Roquan? And Matt Influence is just like, you have to talk to him. Well, we can't talk to him because he doesn't want to talk and they won't make him available. So it's like, what the hell are we supposed Like, I'll say this. The Bears don't do their, their players any favors. I don't think they did Teddy J- Tevin Jenkins any favors by how they handled that situation, whether it was their fault or not. No. They did no favors. Roquan is kind of the same thing. Roquan wanted to go public. I understand the frustration with that, but they're not doing him any like, you know, just just answer some questions. Like, tell us what's going on. Oh yeah. And I mean, admittedly, Zach, if I could talk about the media thing for a little while, because I would love to hear what your experience has been like with the new bears regime. I feel like we've seen that for a little while where the, I felt like, Regardless of what you thought about Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy had to be the scapegoat or at least the guy at the podium answering questions about everything. I mean, no matter what went wrong or who was at fault or who wasn't agreeing to what or what happened in the media that weekend or whether the Bears lost a game they shouldn't have lost or lost a game they totally should have, but they lost in an embarrassing fashion. I mean, Matt Nagy was the guy who had to answer literally everything. Uh, and I know that you talked about how you used to never get basically any decent answer. Like if you tried to get, or basically you always talked about how bears PR almost seemed like they they didn't want you there, (laughs) that if they could choose to not have you, they'd probably (laughs) toss you out. Does it feel like the, this current bears organization wants the meat, wants to welcome the media in a little bit more? Like, where's the balance? A little bit, but at the same time, I'd say the access is a little better now. That's um, neat. Yeah, that's obviously a good thing. Ryan Pohl's speaking the other day was fantastic. He didn't have to do that. Three that's minutes. new. Yes. we would. Ne- that would not have happened from Ryan Pace. Shadow GM Ryan Pace never unearthed himself any more than he, he had to. Spoke, what did he speak? Three times a year? Um, 
And if could, that end of season tr- four, end of season training camp or end of season combine draft training camp. Yep. Essentially. We've already gotten four from Ryan Poles <laughs> and we're probably going to get like at least one more soon. I'd say if we're depending on the Roquan, probably another one in season, something like that. So yeah, I'd say the access is, is better. Um, you know, it, it's just the thing that frustrates me and I, I and it, it's just the, the secretiveness of stuff, the, the um, competitive advantage, which seems to just carried over from the other regime and you're right. I felt bad for Matt Nagy at times because, like, Ryan Pace does not speak, and 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 he was getting sick of answering the questions. But, but yeah, no, the, the competitive advantage stuff is just kind of uh, like, come on, just give us the injury. Like, no one, you know, literally, Green Bay probably already knows everything. Like, it doesn't sure. really matter. Um, so yeah, I'd say that part's pretty much the same. A little worse, I'd say. But I mean, the access overall has been really good. The PR hey, has been pretty good to us. I mean you know, good does, I'd say better than the past. And I think it's kind of come to a resolution like, okay, like this is what you're going to get. This is what we can give stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's just the competitive advantage, the secret of stuff that's still like lingering over. That's oh just, yeah. Uh, and at, thankfully probably one of the most positive changes for that media room is just the fact that we're not in the 2021 horrible lame duck situation. I yes. mean, I, yeah. as somebody who has to, talk on a podcast now and again i need to stay current with pressers oh yeah i can't tell you how many of those matt Nagy pressers i would have sworn that i turned on to he knew the questions that y'all were gonna ask y'all knew the questions you had to ask and it was like truly nobody wanted to be there like (laughs) because Nagy was like borderline depressed up there answering questions because the bears were like I mean, they probably had like eight losses and by week 12. I can't yeah. quite remember. But you probably do of just like, oh, these media rooms are bad. And hey, now Matt Eberflus has to talk about Roquan Smith. But if that's as bad as it gets for a little while, like that's I'll not that it. bad. Yeah, no, it's not. No, not at all. And yeah, it's just it's going to be interesting to see how they are in the regular season because – that's when you kind of get a feel of uh, of everything. Like that makes sense. Training camps, more access and stuff like that. Everybody's um, happy during training camp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like regular season, if things start going downhill, what's going to happen? Like that, that'd be something I'll be, I'll definitely be watching. No kidding. And it's funny you mentioned. I know I can close on this, and then I'd love to hear your final thoughts on just camp and the yeah. Bears in general. But if there is one thing about the Roquan Smith thing that sticks out to me, it's so look me personally, every time I theoretically try to envision paying an inside linebacker, $19 million, I get hives, but watching Matt Adams on, uh, what was that Saturday? I got it. I understood (laughs) where the value would come from. So the interesting thing though, is that we talked to, you mentioned how Justin Fields and Roquan Smith were like the franchise's two dudes. Jalen Johnson mentioned Roquan Smith, is this defense's leader but Jalen would say that he was on the team last year Ryan yeah. Poles was not Matt Eberflus was not he may be Jalen's defensive leader but he may not be Ryan Poles's future defensive leader he might have Jaquan Brisker pegged for that for all we know and so I am really curious to watch how this drama re- related to Roquan Smith plays out because I mean look any other franchise in any other situation, you wouldn't trade the franchise's cornerstone position 
like their new heir apparent to a legacy of long-standing middle linebackers. But this guy, Ryan Poles, depending on what the offer is, I could understand it. And after all those comments that we heard from whether we take him with a grain of salt or not from Jeff Hughes about how the Bears are threatening tampering, or like threatening to charge people with tampering if they call about Roquan Smith, like that all seems to me at the very least like it could be similar posturing to what we heard the Raiders say about Khalil Mack. That's where yeah. my mind keeps going is Mac was never available. He's not available. He's not available. He's been traded. And yeah. that seems to be something we see. If somebody gets available, they don't always move like we saw with Debo Samuel. So the Bears suddenly going from, hey, Tevin Jenkins is on the trade block. And we are talking about trading Roquan Smith to, up, oh, mom's the word. Neither of them are available. Stop asking. Wink. Has me curious about what's going to happen over these next couple of weeks to say the yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, Roquan's a hell of a linebacker. Hell of a linebacker. He's really good in 3-4. I think he's going to be really good in the 4-3. Two sides to every story, and then there's the truth, obviously. So we don't know, like, what the truth is. We know what Roquan's side pretty much is. We know what um, Ryan Poles is. Looking at it from Ryan Poles, though, okay, you want this much money, you know, 20 mil plus, whatever it is. I got to see you do it in a 4-3 defense. Like, show it to me. I can see it on tape from your old days here. Show it to me. He's not the guy that drafted him. Obviously, you want to keep a player like Roquan Smith as your heart and soul of the defense. But, I mean, this situation is going to be very fascinating. And I hope something gets resolved soon because if you're the Bears, and like like you said, you know, maybe you get an offer for a first-rounder, a day two and maybe a player or something. Like if you get an offer that you really want, you can't refuse, take it. Um, at some point you gotta like make a decision though. Like, but can't the thing let that, this drag. Yes. Like you're saying, but the bears have the leverage. I mean, he signed under contract and they can tag him again if they wanted to. So it kind of feels like Roquan played his cards a little too early. I want to say, or didn't really think it through. Um, I don't know who's giving him advice. I don't know what's going Neither on Neither do we. There. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but maybe he played his cards too early with the public statement. Ryan Paul said, all right, you're coming off pup. But I mean, the thing to note is the Bears have all the leverage here. Roquan's still under contract. He's going to have to play this year. Maybe Ryan Paul says, okay, I saw you do it in a 4-3. Let's get a deal done, you know, after the season, whatever. Um, I would say I think he's going to be – signed i think he'll stay here i think even though i said you know you're not really married to any player it kind of be almost a bad look trading away your best player on the team right away but at the same time i mean the bears are rebuilding like they also already did yeah you could make yeah. the argument oh no, like, that is true yeah when well they yeah said, I, I guess after after cleo you know um that's what i'm saying though if it, it yeah. because he already traded away Khalil Mack, that's it, true it kind of opens the door for <laughs> you want to see me yeah. do it again i oh go ahead i'm sorry no that that's that's the gist of it is all the only argument i'm making is not he's definitely gone i don't know george mccaskey mentioned roquan smith's name personally when yeah. in his end of your presser the owner the guy who's related to the owner. Like, yeah. I mean, that's as high praise as you're going to get and as close as you're going to get to a gimme contract. But I just don't know. 
I mean, so many signs could point so many different ways here, and we don't even really know what other teams think about him. Like, you mentioned if you got offered a first, a second, and a player. (laughs) Yeah, what if the standing offer is a second-round pick? Yeah, like, I don't think they're going to get a first. I, I do not think they're going to get a first. It'd be great. One yeah. first would be actually quite a lot for an inside linebacker. I mean, for a position as paid as, as paid, that's paid as well as now Shaquille Leonard, Fred Warner, and Bobby Wagner are slash were, because Wagner's on a new deal now. He got cut because his contract was too expensive. Um, yeah. But that's what happens. for a position that's expe- as, as highly paid as this is, there's an awfully low trade value to it. And doesn't isn't that a weird paradox where it's yeah. like you either have to pay them better money than corners make, or yeah. they're not much worth much in a trade. In the trade, what? yeah, and then you have to cut them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like the weird thing is, like, yeah, I do agree with the Mac. I would say, like, the only thing I would say about the Mac was, I don't think Cleo Mac is going to be in his prime when the Bears are good again. No. I don't know if Roquan is. I think there's a better shot, though. You know what I mean? Roquan's yes. what twenty five. Definitely. Yeah, I was being tongue in cheek. I don't even think Mac was the best player on the defense. He just had the most branding. Guys that called the apex predator for crying out loud. Exactly. And it's just it's it's a situation where it's like I almost feel like Ryan Poles can win, but he almost can't win because like if he trades them, the fans are gonna be mad. But if he signs up to this big deal and let's say gets hurt or he doesn't play as well. Four years from now, three years from now, the fans are like, well, why the hell we give Roquan all that money and we front-loaded it instead yep. of you know, back-loaded it like the Bears wanted to and stuff like that. And It's weird, man. I'm glad I don't have to make these decisions. Hey, <laughs> if I learned anything about the fans, Zach, as much as I completely agree with you, I, for one, was stunned at how quickly we went from, oh my gosh, Trubisky's turning it around. Yeah. Trubisky's the guy at the end of 2022. I don't care. We have Justin Fields now. Yeah. I mean, a lot oh, yeah. of people went oh, through that. Like the, the, yeah. the switch was fast. And it does have me just at the very least wondering aloud that maybe we're mad about Roquan Smith for a little while. And then they land Jalen Carter with like a top five pick. And yeah. suddenly people don't even remember that yep. like Roquan Smith isn't on the team anymore. I can't say one thing or another. I do find myself, I, I guess this will be truly my final thought, Zach. If Ryan Poles wants to commit to tanking, training Roquan Smith would be a great way to lose two more games. Like, yep. I mean. Well, that, but if you do that, then trade Robert Quinn. I, do you yeah. think they won't? I think they're waiting for the deadline. There. Oh, no, I think they're, I think they're going to for sure. I'm saying <laughs> like, if you move Roquan Smith, Let's just get it over. Let's 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 fire it all. Let's right. Let's do the whole thing. Like build around Justin Fields, build around I guess Jalen Johnson, um, Darnell Mooney. But yeah, definitely get rid of Quinn. Right. Um, you know, we'll see though. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they. They'll never say they're going to come out and fully tank. That's the thing. But I mean, oh, we all know. We all know this is a rebuild. Say. Yeah, I we mean, know this is a rebuild. Well, even scarier, tanking is entirely a front office question. Like Matt Eberflus yeah. is not going to be in on it. If the plan oh, is no. to tank because no coach ever worth their salt is going to take their first head coaching season and deliberately light it on fire. Yeah, no, it's all, that'd be a terrible idea. Terrible. But with Roke or with Robert Quinn, look, maybe I'm reading the tea leaves wrong here. I can't help but think that the that Ryan Poles is sitting there thinking, well, you know, last year Vaughn Miller got traded for a pretty good chunk of change. And the year before that, Fred or uh, Frank Clark got traded for a pretty good chunk of change. Seems like having an old ish edge rusher that's very talented at the deadline is just a good problem to have. Like they 
you can see some of these trades, at least I can, or I'm thinking that you can, materializing before they're quite done. And Roquan's the weird one where now we're now it might be taking too long. Like yeah. now he's still in the locker room, so he's gonna make an effect or he's gonna make an impact on the players around him. But he's also not not on the team, and he's still in the stated plan. And if Matt Adams is gonna start for the entire year, somebody should probably tell him. Like, yeah, there's there's a whole lot to it, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a big drop. I mean, there's a big drop off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's crazy. Right, but if you had a final thought about Bears camp, the team in general, 2022 Chicago Bears, and the future of the franchise, it's a lot to throw at you. Where are you? Where's your head at? Oh man, um, I think, like I, I like I said earlier, I think the. It's a rebuild, obviously. Um, the most important thing, I hate giving you an obvious answer here. The most important thing is Justin Fields' development. Wow. That's insight. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's just, I hate giving the boring answer, but like, it's, I don't know. Like, we have to keep getting it, giving it across. I feel like there's people out there that are like, don't understand the concept. Like, Justin Fields' the most important thing. They could go three and 14 in my eyes. Justin Fields takes that next step. I'm fine with it. Five and 12, I'm fine with it. I think they're probably two to three years away, to be honest, like from being a playoff contender, not even like, oh, okay, let's talk about winning some playoff games, like reaching it. I do like, though, how Ryan Poles is starting to build this thing and how he set himself up for having a hundred, what, hundred something million, 100 plus million next year in cap space right. on the surface. You have to sign some guys, stuff like that. It's going to go down. Um, and I think his first draft, I don't want to say it's a win already or success. Um, it looks good. It looks like it could be a really good draft. And that's how you rebuild on the fly. Good. You hit on your draft picks early. You have a lot of cap space. They potentially have the quarterback. They're off to a good start. So my future Bears thoughts is essentially, I think they're set up for a, a good position. I know I said two, three years. That's fine. I feel like two is, is still kind of low. Like I think this year, next year, maybe the year after, like, but they're in good position. And I kind of like how this regime is starting to build um, moving forward. But yeah, this year, I think you kind of said it, man, earlier, like the wins and losses shouldn't matter for the fans right now. Like it just shouldn't like, just look at the progression, look at the players who can take those steps forward. Get Kyler Gordon on the field, Jaquan Brisker on the field, Braxton Jones, Valus Jones, um, you know, Trusted Ebner, guys like that. Let's see if Darnell Mooney can take the next step. What's going to happen with Roquan? Um, yeah, I, I'm still excited. Football's back. Um, Heck but, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hope the Bears are – I hope I eat my own words. I really do. But I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> Same. I mean, what's worth remembering, just, just because I'm sure there's somebody out there that's saying how – can a team lose that many games and still Justin Fields is any good? And the yep. answer is losing 21 to 40. I mean, it's it's a silly way to say it, but yep. it, it could be that the defense isn't that great. And exactly. at the end of the day, I'm not. I am not passionate enough about this team being bad to fight about it. 
<laughs> like yeah. we we can wait for the 49ers oh, yeah. to show up. You know what I mean? Like I I think we're both in that position, Zach, where I don't think anybody related to the Bears, anybody that sits at um right now it's 9:20 on a Sunday night recording a podcast yeah. wants to do it because they have this just passion to talk about how bad the Bears are going to be. Like yeah. we don't we want them to be good. Yeah, but exactly. We want to make sure that expectations are tempered. That when we walk out of a preseason game, exactly like we did, where Justin Fields showed some things he needs to work on, but I felt like looked dramatically better than he did as a rookie, yeah. which was all I know I was looking for. He yep. didn't score any points. <laughs> like, uh, they yeah. didn't get close. But there, but there was positive. Yeah, there was There was. <laughs> yep. That's that, all you can hope for. That's like a perfect vignette into what I know I'm looking for in this yeah. next Bears season. And he didn't score any points. The results were bad. The running game with him in it, or like with him in the game, was horrible. Like, could we point for excuses? Sure. But at the end of the day, this is going to be a very semantic year. This is going to be a very, well, I know we got killed, but Braxton looked great. Like, yeah. this is, it's going to be. Juan had a couple interceptions. Yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Right. It's, it's going to be a very, like, okay, who cares? A lot of people are beating us these days. Yeah, <laughs> kind of exactly. year. Or at least Same. it could be. And if it's not, we'll figure it out because that probably means the Bears are winning, and that's not really a bad thing. Exactly. But Zach, speaking of, thanks so much for catching up with me at 9:20 on a no uh, Sunday night. No Always problem. great having I'm, you on. I'm happy to do it. I'm glad we uh I'm glad we got a date down. I'm sorry uh, right. we got on vacation and then No, I'm complete, I'm fine with it. <laughs> the later I get you, the more we get to know. Oh like, yeah, that's a good call. Is we if we would have done this on the original, we wouldn't have had a preseason game. We wouldn't have had a preseason game. Plug your stuff. What do you guys got going on at Bear Report? How can we support you? Yeah, yeah. So um, you can follow Bear Report on Twitter. It's just at Bear Report. Um, I'm at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Um, daily notebooks from training camp. Um, we'll have tons of post-game stuff. Um, man, we have everything. Podcasts. We have two podcasts, post-game stuff, yes. pre-game stuff. During the week, training camp, everything. Uh, we have YouTube series as well, stuff like that. So, yeah, a lot of good people over there. Um, you know a couple of them. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. I appreciate people. it again. Thanks, man. Oh, of course. Thanks so much for coming on, Zach. Yeah, Have a great no rest problem. of your evening. And Bears fans, there you have it. Hopefully that answered some of your training camp questions. I know it certainly answered mine and got you excited about this next Thursday's preseason matchup. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you are too, and I'll be right back at you with a post-game show after the game. But until then, Bears fans, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.